Welcome to the Burn Hickory Podcast, where you can listen to our sermons each week. Our mission is to reach everyone around us with the hope of Christ. And our goal is that you'll find a place where you can learn, grow, live, and thrive in a faith family. Now let's get ready to dig into Scripture and see what God has for us today. Well, good morning, Burn Hickory. How is everybody this morning? All right, all right. Welcome to our uh, online community as well. Man, it's been an awesome day for me. If you have... um, uh, been aware at all. I've had uh, Matthew, my son, had some extensive surgery and uh, about 15 hours worth, and so he is in ICU at Emory. And so I got here this morning, went in to pray with the deacons at 7:45, like we do um, before preaching. And so they had there were some tears there already. They'd already had church as Matthew had had called in from uh, ICU and had kind of uh, been able to talk and encourage them. And I tell you what, that just thrills the heart of his dad also. Of course, they told me they'd already had church. They didn't need to hang around for the sermon. So, uh, yeah, just like deacons, right? Well, hey, listen, did you get your penny when you came in? If you did, pick it up. Uh, Hey, if you're watching online, go grab a real shiny penny. If you didn't get one, there's more when you leave. Yeah, it has come to this. I'm now paying you to come listen to me. That is exactly right. Hey, have you heard the story on the, the guy that made it on the news? His name is Otha Anders. And so as far as we know in recorded history, he has been hunting for lost pennies longer than anyone. 45 years. Um, Otha has been watching. He is from Cary's Neck of the Woods there in Louisiana, close to Monroe. And so after 45 years, so here's, here was his philosophy. He would look for lost pennies, and everyone he would find, he felt like that was a gift from God, and that he would turn it around and give thanks to God. And so uh, he has intentionally done that 45 years. Finally came to a point where he decided to put them all in uh, five-gallon water jugs, and he filled up 15 of those things. He got a buddy of his to come over. They loaded those on the pickup truck, went to the local bank where the branch manager had a cardiac arrest. I don't think that they had a counting machine there, so they had to figure out what to do with them. After all was said and done, they counted over a half million pennies, not money. <laughs> I bet Oath would have wished it was money. So anyway, so uh, ended up he walked away with over $5,000, though, from it. Not bad. So he was able to pay for some dental surgery, and he was a happy man. So, hey, what a great illustration. So what if I told you that every day when you start the day that there are going to be some lost pennies there, lost coins, that God has placed there just for you? Of course, these for us would represent a lost soul that he has lined up And he has you in a unique position to be able to reach out and to touch those and to make a difference. Would you be willing this morning, in the coming week, to pray a big, bold prayer and to ask God to help you to go on a hunt every day for those lost coins, for those lost souls, to be used by God in those? Well, let's go to him in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning, 
as we look at your word, we just invite you, Lord. We pray that all distractions will be put aside, that our hearts, our minds would be open so that the seed of the word that is sown would find fertile soil and that your Holy Spirit would be free to work and to do as only you desire. We love you. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's see, turn over to Luke chapter 15 in whatever kind of scripture you have there, whether it be paper or electronic. We still love the Word of God. Last week, in fact, this week is the last sermon in, in the uh, parable series. been awesome. Matt has done a phenomenal job, like usual. He actually preached on the back end of Luke 15 last Sunday. And uh, so I'm going to preach the front end of it this week. It's known as kind of the lost chapter the parables of the lost and so let's dive in here verse one now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear jesus but the pharisees and the teachers of the law those were the scribes they muttered can't you just hear mutter they were there muttering this man he welcomes sinners and he eats with them can you believe it well jesus knew this was going on he told him this parable. Hey, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep. You lose one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after that lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully, he puts it on his shoulders. He goes home whistling a happy song. He calls his friends and his neighbors together and he says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. And I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And without pause, he goes right in and he says, or suppose there's a woman who has 10 silver coins. She loses one of them. Doesn't she immediately light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it, and then... When she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. Let's have a party. I've found my lost coin. And in the same way, I tell you, there is a cosmic celebration that goes on, rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. How amazing. Hey, have you ever found there's somebody in your household who is always losing something? Now, is that you or is that... The other person. Now, who, who knows where everything is in your house? Mom. You ever figured that out? Hey, guys, have y'all ever figured that out? Have you? I, and husbands. I learned this early in marriage. I used to get exasperated with Becky because I would say, Hey, Beck, I, have you seen so-and-so? And she'd say, Well, yeah, have you looked in so-and-so? And it's like, Of course I did. That's the first place I looked. You know, and then I'd look everywhere else, and then lo and behold, I'd go back. There it was, right where she said. Y'all ever figure that out, guys? Moms can do the same thing. For whatever reason, I don't know. Of course, I end up having to help Becky find her keys all the time. I'm the same. Like, Beck, come on. Put them in the same place. They're in the same place all the time. But I'm not going to tell her that. I just, just hope she went in the earlier service. So just keep that between us. Okay, guys? All right, anyway. Hey, it reminds me. So I went on this mission trip to this place. Outside. It's on the coast of Nicaragua called Corn Island. Little bitty place and impoverished. And uh, they had electricity 12 hours a day from 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. You went to bed with light. You woke up without electricity. 
they had one phone on the whole island there was this guy who had kind of a fish factory and he had most resources there were dirt roads yet nobody had a car they walked it he had a car he had a driver we went down there took a team kind of do an evangelistic crusade and uh, we're going to be there for the better part of two weeks and so uh, it was man it was hot and we're going to be outside about the whole time I took these coolest pair of sunglasses inexpensive ones Bill Dance polarized fishing sunglasses man I don't know if you've ever been there or not but boy <laughs> they're very cheap at Walmart anymore so I took them down there with me early part of the trip they went missing and I went into panic mode I have these blue eyes real sensitive squint I thought man I'm going to have headaches all this kind of stuff couldn't find them anywhere the driver comes to pick us up to take us one evening to crusade I look and he's got Bill Dance sunglasses on I'm thinking how many pairs are there? there there are no stores by the way I couldn't just go buy another pair okay he's got my sunglasses on and I'm like how do I tell him those are my sunglasses and ask for him back I mean he probably needs them a lot worse than I do he doesn't have very much so I'm like um hey man you know I, I lost a pair of sunglasses just like those and uh yeah and you know and he's like uh, and I'm like yeah hey you know what I'm gonna be here a while you know would you be willing to take twenty dollars for those sunglasses I end up paying him more than what it cost me at Walmart but I wanted him to have the money if he wanted to go feed himself or if he wanted to go get him a new pair he could do that but I tell you what sometimes when there's just one of something there is great value and you go to extremes to try to find it well here's the message here Jesus he sees the Pharisees and the scribes these are religious leaders of the day We've, we usually villainize them we think that they are the worst things because they're always walking behind Jesus trying to find the bad stuff on him get him in trouble get him crucified yet they are the protectors of the faith they are in fact the scribes we can give them credit for helping to keep our Old Testament as accurately preserved as it is today God used them so it's no accident when Jesus came along, they still had their defense shields up, making sure that no one took the faith that God had given them in these scriptures and went outside the lines. The only problem was it had become more of a religion to them, more of a formality, and less about a relationship. Jesus says, guys, listen. Listen. He says... You know, he basically said, I've not come to do away with the law, I've come to fulfill the law. So he's showing them a whole different side to it. But he makes three points to them. The first point is, is that Jesus is keenly aware of people's lostness. Now, I want us to understand this. He is saying, I don't care if there's a hundred sheep and one's lost, I don't care in Jesus' eyes he was using it for illustrative purposes but he's basically saying if there's a million sheep and one of them is lost I'm going for the lost one I'm paying attention I'm not taking them for granted Je Jesus came to die for us while we were yet sinners he came to die for us he is keenly aware of people's lostness. The second part of the parable is that he wanted to know that he is willing to go to great lengths to serve, to save those who are lost. And he wanted him to understand that 
because the third point he wanted them to understand is that the religious should be less concerned about their religion and more concerned about seeing the lost found. Okay, very simple. Very simple what he was getting, trying to get across to him, them right now. The importance of lostness in his eyes and his willingness to do anything he could and that here they were hung up in their religiosity missing the bigger thing but there were two things that motivated Jesus when he was on this earth the first is that his heart was broken and still is it's broken over those who are lost in Matthew 9 36 it says that he was looking out over the people the crowds and he had compassion on them to the core because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd so he had a heart that was broken over these. And guys, listen, this is not when you look out and you see some people who are sick and, and all this kind of stuff. It's like going and looking at this crowd of humanity and you see them scurrying about. You see them pursuing possessions so much so they're spending more than what they have just so they can impress other people they're in debt yet they're trying to be prideful they're trying to pursue power positions they want to be the best at whatever they're doing and they want to make sure that you know that they are the best at what they're doing they're pursuing pleasure at whatever cost and these are the things that they're pursuing and they're taking pride even in their sinfulness these are the people that we see when we look at the masses. And yet, he did not stand in judgment of them. He didn't, it, it didn't turn his stomach and say, oh, the level of sin around here. He did just the opposite. Following Christ is counterintuitive. When you follow Christ, you die to be able to live. When you see lost humanity, if we are becoming more Christ-like, we should be moved with a compassion, not a judgmental spirit, not a spirit to want to run and isolate ourselves and our family and hide from them and stay in this Christian bubble and hope that Jesus comes back before long, before it gets much darker. But he's moved with compassion. The second thing is that he operated out of a clear sense of purpose. Jesus said... For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now here's the thing, guys, is that the word Christian means little Christ. Romans 8.29 says that all the things that happen in our lives, it is to conform us to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. It's the work of sanctification in our lives after we become believers. It is to make us more like Christ Himself. Here is the question. When you look at disreputable people who were lost in their sin and they're proud of it and they're acting like it and they're hard to be around and you despise what they're doing, it is in total conflict with what you do and have and say, what is your response and what is my response to that? Do you see them as lost? Or do you vilify them? Do you make them the enemy when it is Satan who is the enemy? Satan has blinded them to the truth. 
We're told in scriptures that they cannot understand spiritual things because they're spiritually appraised and they do not have the Holy Spirit living in their lives. So how is it that we as Christians expect lost people to act as Christians should? Don't Christians have a hard enough time acting like Christians should? And we have the Holy Spirit living inside us. How can we expect lost people to act like they have the Holy Spirit living inside them? We cannot. They are acting out their very character. This is why Jesus came to earth. This is why Jesus outlined our purpose. What is your purpose in life? Do you know it? I remember one of the biggest enlightening periods I had was was um, when I was in my early 30s, I was challenged to write my, my, my life's purpose statement or mission statement. I found out then that we tend to have one for like work, one for our family, one for our spiritual life, and God says, Nuh-uh. no, no, no. Put them together. You have one life, one purpose in life. You don't have a secular side and a, and, a, and a sacred side. Your life is all sacred. Your purpose should be the same whether it is at work, whether it be in your extracurriculars, wherever at school, wherever you may be. And, by the way, Jesus outlined pretty clearly what our purpose is. And it is to love Him and it is to love others and to make disciples. And guys, when have we taken our eyes off of the very purpose of why we exist? We exist to, on a daily basis, look for those lost coins. That's why he's left us here on earth. Do you know God's plan A to reach the lost of this earth is his church? And there is no plan B. That's the good and the bad news is that we are his plan A. And the bad news is there is no plan B. So like, we're it. He calls us, in fact, in, in Romans ten fourteen, he says, how then can they call on the one they've not believed in, and how can they believe in the one in whom they've not heard, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And preaching doesn't mean bring them to church to get them saved. It means you are the one that carries the good news. Here's a key point I want to make this morning. As the darkness of this world increases, and it is, and it will, the temptation will only increase for Christians to become more religious, like the Pharisees and the scribes. However, this is the time when the church needs to become more like Jesus. Church, these last two years have been an incredible opportunity for the church. There, it, we, right now, the level of depression and anxiety is an all-time high. We took some analytics from Google, from folks in the Atlanta area who are sitting in the evenings when the, when the TV is on, Googling on their phone, doing searches. The top three searches in the last six months, prayer, loneliness, sadness. That's the world we live in. That is our community. That reflects what is going on. Now, what is the answer for that? Well, number one, it is a relationship with God through Christ Jesus. 
yet depression and anxiety is also at an all-time high among believers one of the reasons that is so is because we are not living out of a sense of purpose that we have you know you've always heard well one way you can always feel better about yourself is is give yourself away to somebody else do something for somebody else that's even the secular way to do it and I know I know myself it's like yeah but man I got so much on my own plate in my own emotions I don't have the bandwidth for anybody else exactly it is not up to you it is you making yourself available for the creator of the universe who came and died in our place to live through you you see I'll be honest this week for me has not been much fun with Matthew there my mom is, is not doing well and one of my prayers before God yesterday was God thank goodness my flesh is weak because when I get up to bring your word tomorrow I need your spirit because I am too weak and I can't bring it my head wasn't even in the right place uh, for concern um, with Matthew and other things. And I know you feel the same way. I know. I look at you and I know many things going on. As a minister, a pastor here these last two years, exponentially we're more aware than ever of what's going on in your lives. And they are great. And it's not to downplay that, but God is, wants to use those hurts and those things in your life to turn them and to pour out with them to others. Live on purpose. One of the things that I have found great joy in is that right now I find just like the number one thing that people need is someone to care for them. Prayer. Becky started this a few years ago. Um, she started helping the Holy Spirit out. We would just be out wherever. I mean, we're out in the driveway visiting with neighbors, taking walks, and we'd visit with them in the summer. And, and they'd say something that's happening in their life. And she'd say, well, why don't, Marty, why don't you just pray for them right now? I'm like, well, I'm still, I mean, I, I've got, I just, I still got the clothes. I just mowed the grass in. I mean, this is not church or anything. And, and I'm like, I couldn't get mad at her and I'm like well God I actually even though this feels weird I think this is supposed to be normal for Christians and all of a sudden God started working in my heart and it's like yeah you doggone right when did we get so uncomfortable praying with people guys listen look in the book of Acts man the whole time praying with each other praying with each other as believers for the lost praying with the lost Man, their heart, we can't even pray with our spouse. How can that be? The divorce rate is arguably one out of every two. For spouses that pray together, it's one out of 1,052. That's how important it is to pray together. Yet, as, as Southern Christians, we are so good. Not only do we throw in bless your heart, but we say, I'll pray for you. If there's anything I can do, let me know. I'm not saying that that's anything wrong with that. It's just 90% of the time that's worthless. I'll just be honest with you. So much so that sometimes we come away and it's like, yeah, they probably won't think of, of that again ever, like really. Are they really going to pray for me? And what would be even more powerful is if they stopped right then and just said, 
can we just take you before the Father right now? You know, I have started, I've started looking for opportunities this morning on the way in to church. I had to pick up something at Publix. And so I'm going through, there's this lady standing there, and I'm like, hey, I'm on my way to church. Have you ever felt guilty? I mean, you're on your way to church. There are these people, they're doing whatever they are. They don't get to go to church, and here you are, holy and righteous. And then you, you say hi to them. So I said, hey, let me ask you, I'm headed to church. How can I pray for you this morning? And she said, wow. She said, well, hey, I'm, I'm Tanisha. And I said, hey, Tanisha, I'm Marty. And she said, thank you so much. She said, I'm, I'm looking at a career change. And she said, I'd really appreciate your prayers. And I said, man, you bet, you bet. That'd be my honor. And then I went across the street to Wendy's, telling on myself, and I got a biscuit there. Primarily because Chick-fil-A is not open on Sunday and Martin's line is way too long. So not very many people go to Wendy's. There are reasons, but that's okay. So I go through the line. The same young lady was there that was there like last Sunday morning when I went through. And I said, I said, now, aren't you the one that when I asked you how I could pray for you, you told me to remember your grandmother? She said, yes, sir. She had a mask on this week. Last week she didn't have a mask on. I had to make sure... She said, yes, sir, she's in recovery now. And I said, so she had surgery. You didn't share that with me last week, but I've been praying for her. And she said, yes, sir. And I said, well, I know how that feels. My son is in recovery. He had surgery. I said, I'm so glad she's, she's doing well. And you know what? I think she just about lost it right there. Because, I, number one, we often just treat them like they're nobody. And number two, I actually cared enough to pray and then to follow up with her. It's one of the most powerful things we can do, guys. Pray for people and pray with people. Do we care enough about people to do that? And here's what I'm asking you this morning. So here, this is where, this is where the penny comes in. You're probably wondering, okay? This is where the penny comes in. I want to lay a challenge before you this week. This is the burnt hickory challenge of the lost coin. Put a stake in it, okay? Right now, here's what I want to ask you to do. Are you willing this week to pray bold big prayers every morning asking God to number one make you aware of people's lost condition hey students you know what one of the things and I didn't know this when I was your age but one of the reasons that some of those folks act and treat you like they do and stuff they don't know the Lord and it's hard for them to act much differently I'll just be honest with you but that's why you need each other because you need Christian community. That's why we need each other. Hebrews says that's why we come together for the encouraging of each other as we say the day drawing near. So are you willing to ask God to make you more aware to break your heart on their behalf so that you would move outside of your comfort zone to talk with them? Are you willing to do that? I'm going to uh, put up here a QR code. Surely you know how to do that after these months of having to do that at restaurants and then will not give you a menu even though last week with the wild game banquet one of my bestest of friends took a picture of a qr code and asked me what he did needed to do with it then i told him it's too late then a picture of a qr code won't do anything okay if that's you i'm not making fun of you okay but you might ask someone else to show you or better yet you need to open up the sermon notes on the app. In the sermon notes, there's this button that says the challenge of the lost coin, and you just press it 
when you do that then it has just a form put your name and your cell number why would you want to do that number one it's because I would love to see you put your yes on the table and that's why that signified number two the pastors of this church is going to pray over your name every morning this week and number three we will send out an encouraging scripture and prayer mid-morning as you begun your day as a reminder of God using you that day so please I lay that challenge before you are you willing to step outside your comfort zone to do that I was thinking about because God loves divine appointments and they're fun let me tell you what guys more times than none the reason our, our quiet time is dry and our even spiritual walk is dry is we expect nothing in fact that's why we don't even pray is because we don't expect it'll change anything it's like well God is just going to do what he wants to do anyway regardless of whether I ask him or not come on guys Man, that, no wonder you're going nowhere as a Christian. I'll just be honest with us. I'm, but I'm talking to myself too. You get that. I'm not making fun of you. I'm making fun of us collectively. But here's the deal. So when I'm bold enough to, to pray that, let me tell you, here's one of my favorite divine appointments. And, but, but keep your eyes open as you go through the day. It is the doggondest things happen. That, that divine appointment one of my favorites I took these, these bunch of, of uh, friends up to where I'm from in McKaysville some of y'all have taken the train from Blue Ridge and you get out and you say yeah okay ready to go back to Blue Ridge what do I do here well I took them to the uh, to Horseshoe Bend which is a, a park on the river Tacoa River so we were cooking out we put the watermelon in the side of the river there and then as we're eating, I hear something. And since I'm used to fishing in the Tacoa River, I quickly recognize that they're generating electricity at Blue Ridge Dam, and the river has risen. And more than likely, the watermelon is gone. And sure enough, it was. So it's like, well, no watermelon today, guys. So here before long, there was a pickup truck pulled up, and I said, hey, this is the guy bringing us our watermelon. Sure enough, this guy gets out, this older guy in his bib overall. He's holding a watermelon. <laughs> I can't make this up. And he says, hey, is this y'all's watermelon? <laughs> like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that is our watermelon. <laughs> so I went over and introduced myself to him. Name named Mr. Galloway. And I said, well, Mr. Galloway, there's a lot of Galloways up there. I said, Mr. Galloway, man, why don't you stay and eat that with us? We wouldn't have it if you hadn't brought it to us. He said, yeah, I saw it coming down. I, I thought somebody may have lost it up here. <laughs> yeah. And I said, hey, Mr. Galloway, i got to be honest with you. I said, you know, I pray and I ask God uh, for just divine appointments. And I said, this is the weirdest thing I've seen. I don't believe this is just by happenstance. I believe that God wanted me to meet you today. And I said, can I ask you a question? Most important thing in my life is my relationship with God. Have you ever come into a relationship with him through Jesus? And Mr. Galloway is like, I know I sure haven't. He said, my wife and my kids have been talking to me about it, but I haven't done that. And I said, Mr. Galloway, man, I, I would be honored. I, I, I said, it, I'd be honored to just pray with you right now if you want to make that decision. I said, it's the greatest thing you'll ever do. You'll come into a relationship with him. He'll forgive your sins. 
make you a brand new person the one that your wife and your kids are praying for you to be and he said I'd like that and so man Mr. Galloway bowed his head and prayed with me right then and I'll be honest I just went away from there praising God and you know I said let's go down and let's buy a whole bucket a whole truck full of watermelons we'll start a watermelon evangelism we'll bring them back we'll pray over them lay hands on them dump them in the river we'll wait on them just to bring them back to us praise the God we'll see hundreds thousands saved with this new watermelon evangelism of course I will say that that's what us Christians do we pray that God just brings them to us so we don't have to do anything we make a program out of it too it's easier that way so listen are you willing are you willing to take this penny put it in your pocket where you fill it in the course of the day to keep it at the top of your mind place it somewhere where you can see it to keep it at the top of your mind and live expectantly during the course of the day there's only three things that you do with a divine appointment number one is you love them you love the person number two you listen to what's going on in their lives and people there's nobody's willing to listen have you ever noticed nobody even wants to listen to you and you have friends they don't want to listen to you they love it when you listen to them very few will actually take a concern in you Christians should love them listen to them point them to Christ there's some things I, I want us to remember because you know we get scared we always, we always think it's bigger and harder than it really is it's, it's really very simple it is so simple guys and listen one of the reasons that do you think that the Pharisees and the scribes, did they have a happy countenance? They actually, their religion had become a burden on them. Jesus was going about and people were being set free, yet those who were religious were heavy. Oftentimes, that's the heaviness we walk with because we don't allow God to live through us it's like the dead sea the dead sea is dead because the fresh waters of the jordan river pour into it it's the lowest place on earth so there's no outlet for the water to go to just sits there stagnates the sun uh, causes it to evaporate the, the salt content gets larger nothing lives in it it's dead many of us as crass as this may sound we have spiritual constipation <laughs> You know what that is? You want to go to one more Bible study? Go to one more Bible study. See how much good that does you. Now, I love Bible study. Don't get me wrong, because I love to teach the Bible. But guys, listen. One more Bible study and another church service and something else and something else. What's it going to do for you? What are you looking for it to do for you? It's not what it can do for you, guys. It is what God can do with that through you. He wants to live through us that's when we will experience incredible joy and purpose in our lives when we he is able to use us in a way that goes beyond ourselves and guys remember just there's five points i want you to remember as we close number one the search for lost souls is not an individual sport it's a team sport it's a team sport in other words I remember a few years ago, our Sunday school class, our life group went out. Somebody had had surgery. We went out 
and we had a bunch of guys went out and mowed the grass and edged and weed ate and everything the neighbor across the street comes out he's uh he's he's got something wrong with his legs and so he's got um i forget what those are called you come out and he's watching us i noticed that i walked over to him introduced myself to him his name was tony and tony said oh i just noticed how you were y'all were mowing ed's yard and, and uh you know wondering how he got y'all to do it and i said i looked at his and i could tell and i said well tony man why don't we we're about finished we'll just come over here and knock yours out oh i couldn't i said well sure you could and so i motioned to some of the guys they started coming over and so we started talking i said yeah these are guys you know from from our church and i said man we're just doing it because uh, we love love ed and and he just has some needs right now we're just coming alongside him and so God opened up the door, and, and I said, Tony, man, hey, now where are you in your faith journey? Where are you with the Lord? And he's like, well, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. And so one thing or another, I just was able to share with him, and he ended up praying and received Christ with me. And I said, Tony, let me tell you, man, for, I said, do you have a Bible? You can start reading. I'd love for you to read the book of, like, John. He said, wait a minute. I'll go get one. He brought it to me, still in the box. I opened it. I could see highlighted verses in it. I said, Tony, where'd you get this Bible? He said, my sister sent it to me. I said, let me tell you what, brother. Your sister's been praying for you. I said, I may have had the, uh, the uh, opportunity to pray with you today, but, man, let me tell you what. She's been praying for you a long time. I said, you need to go and you need to call her as soon as I leave here. And you need to tell her the decision you made. And you know, I have found time and time again, guys, that God uses a number of people. It is, it is not an individual sport. You're not a superstar. It's not even you. He just wants your willingness. So first, it's, it's, a, it's not an individual sport. Secondly, salvation is a point in time. But evangelism is a process. Hear me on this. I've, I, in fact, I've done the wrong thing in some respect by telling you these harvest stories. Harvesting is the fun part, but listen, you don't just harvest. You know, if you go to Mercier's and Blue Ridge to pick apples, somebody's already done a lot of hard work to bring it to that point. If you go to a strawberry farm to pick strawberries, somebody's already done that. In the Christian world, if somebody has had, and this is a point of salvation, if somebody's had bad experiences with the church or whatever, they may be back here. If you love them, care for them, pour into them, share your story with them, and bring them one step closer. Amen. You're as much a part of that as the person who finally prays the prayer with them. Third, it is not your job to save someone. God involves us in the process, but he does the work of salvation. You remember that. It is not your responsibility, but it is your response to his ability Bill Bright started Campus Crusade for Christ. He said it this way, successful witnessing is taking the initiative to share Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and what? Leaving the results to God. Leaving the results to God. In fact, number four, it's not about convincing somebody or winning a religious argument. It's about showing somebody how to have a relationship with God. Remember that. My favorite way to share the gospel is to contrast religion versus a relationship. Religion versus a relationship. So many people say, you know, I'm just not a religious person. Or I don't like religious people. To which I answer, I don't either. 
I don't. I mean, that's the Pharisees you're talking about. He's talking about those people that, that, you know, they drive out on Sunday morning, go to church, they come back, but they don't even take time to talk to them, develop a relationship with them, nothing. And then they see judgmental spirit coming from those religious people, and they don't like it. You know, I was sharing with a men's Bible study, guys in my, in my tennis team, and the guy that owns La Peria, Martin. Martin was in there, and I shared about a relationship versus a religion. And it connected with Martin, and he prayed and asked Christ into his life. And later that summer, we saw each other at the pool in the, in the subdivision, and Martin said, Marty, that relationship versus religion's made all the difference. He said, would you be willing to come share with my staff at the restaurant about that? And I said, yeah, absolutely I would. And it would be a thrill. See, people need a relationship with God. They don't need more religious duties, responsibilities. Every other religion in the world is about trying to be good enough to please God. Ours says there is nothing you can do to please a holy God. That's why he sent Jesus to die in our place. Ours is one of great grace extended to us. And if you look, and if you, and, and if you are not the worst sinner that you see, that you know, then you're worse off than you thought. Paul said, I am the greatest of sinners. If you and your eyes can look down upon others in judgmental spirit, then you need to ask God. In fact, number five is remember. If you want God to do something through you, first ask Him to do something in you. Are you willing this morning, are you willing to ask God to do a fresh work in you? Will you join me this week on the challenge of the lost coin? Would you be willing to do that? Or are you just going to go back to the way you usually live and just kind of forget about things, come back, go to another Bible study, come to another church service? Guys, it's time for the church to step up. It's what Jesus was telling the Pharisees and the scribes. He was trying to help them to understand that this is the time to seek after that which is lost. And he has uniquely positioned us to do that. As we close this morning, I want us to use this time of invitation to ask God to reflect on our hearts. Where are we? Where are we? Does he need to break our hearts? He does every day. And it's not a once and done decision. Every day I have to bring to him my heart and ask him to break it for the right reasons. A broken and contrite heart is pleasing to God. Let's pray. Father, as we seek our time of invitation right now, may you be free to work in us. Lord, there are people here this morning that do not even know you. And they need to come to a saving relationship with you before they can ever start looking for other lost. If that's you this morning, come talk to us this morning. Talk to the person next to you. Get to know the Savior. Father, we love you. Thank you for all the desires in Christ Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Were you inspired? Maybe you've got questions. Do you want to know more about Jesus? Then we'd love to hear from and connect with you. So take the next step with us by visiting burnthickory.com next. Again, thanks for listening. And hey, stay tuned by subscribing and stay up to date by downloading the Burnt Hickory app.